Welcome to Guidepost to the Crossroads. I am William Ramada. This podcast is to help you remember that you have a purpose in life. This is to motivate, inspire, and guide you to a happy, fulfilled life. The world can be a noisy place and we tend to lose focus on the purpose of our individual journeys. I use my various experiences, education, and other modalities to help you cancel out the noise and focus on your needs and desires in your journey. Welcome back, my fellow humans, to Guidepost to the Crossroads. I know many of you probably had a great week of being action takers after last week's podcast and of searching your fears and moving forward. Well, if it was easy for you, great. If not, that's okay. It's not easy for any of us, really. So we're going to move on now to like three ingredients for for achievement. Now that we're action takers and we know how to become action takers, we need to know how to move forward and to achieve those things in our lives that we really want to achieve. How can we achieve getting over fears? The first ingredient we're going to go over today is courage. Marianne Radmacher, she wrote, Courage doesn't allow roar. Sometimes courage is the quiet voice at the end of the day saying, I will try again tomorrow. Yes, folks, if you didn't do it last week, that's all right. You have today. You have tomorrow. You have the next day. We must continue on. You know, I spoke about in my introduction Our attitude towards failure is what holds the most importance when it comes to our level of achievement in life. And just digging deeper lately, I I noticed that the fear of failure is not the problem by itself. But rather, it's it's a consequence of a bigger issue, self doubt. We have trouble believing in ourselves. So we miss those goals, right? I know I've missed many goals because I doubted myself. Can I do it? Am I capable of doing it? Should I be doing it? You know, we, we, we doubt this internal power and the skills that we have. We fear taking those risks. And that leads us to accepting less than we deserve, You know, this is why we stay in toxic relationships or we stay in jobs that we hate. This is the irony of life, is that smart people are the ones most affected by this self-doubt. They think about every possible obstacle they can encounter and this ability to anticipate any potential problem or negative outcome keeps them stuck in their heads, not allowing them to take action. So look around you, and you will see that those people who dare to grab the bull by the horns are the ones that win the game of life. 
They're not the most intelligent. Maybe they're not the most knowledgeable. Courage, boldness, self-confidence, whatever you want to call it, is a better indicator of success than any intelligence. Smart people think all the time about all the positive negative outcomes while the bold ones are looking for ways to figure it out. It doesn't mean smart people cannot be bold, but only the most cur- most often the courage is missing the piece from the puzzles of success. A lot of people make less money than they could have because they just didn't dare to ask. There was a survey not long ago which included over 100,000 people who believed they were getting paid less than their actual value. Interestingly, even though these people thought they deserved more, two-thirds of those people never even dared to ask for a raise. And you know what's even more interesting? From the one-third that asked for a raise, 70% got one. Therefore, you need to be bold enough to ask for what you want. You know, um, one of the worst things you could do is to self-reject. You know, I've known people that didn't go far, go for what they wanted because they didn't believe in themselves. They didn't think they were smart enough, prepared enough, or good enough looking. And you know, I was one of those also for a long time. You know, when I was in high school, you know, I I felt like I wasn't good looking. I had acne. I was a small guy, you know, and I didn't have any self-confidence in myself. When I joined the Navy, not much things changed at first. You know, it, it was pretty much the same way. And... um took many, many years for me just to become self-accepting. Yeah, that's, that's the word. And um, it wasn't easy. It, it took a long time. But we have to keep in mind that confidence, it's not something that you're born with. It's something you build throughout your life. Some people will need to be more confident than others at the beginning of their lives. You know, a lot of that depends on genetics and other circumstances. But it doesn't mean that you can't have it or that you're not born with it. I think having confidence is um, more like a skill. You know, just like any other skill, it can be developed There's only one way to avoid criticism. Do nothing. Say nothing. 
and be nothing. Aristotle said that. We have to do stuff. We have to move forward, right? We, we've talked about that before. And when we do that, we have to uh, sometimes reject those things that are coming towards us. There's an entrepreneur, Jai Jing, who realized a few years ago that his fear of rejection was holding him back in many aspects of life. And he didn't want to continue his existence like that, so he decided to do something about it. It was in 2012 he came, came across the game called Rejection Therapy. And that challenged people to seek rejection in their day-to-day lives. Jai committed to 100 days of rejection. He would purposely go out there and get rejected by asking all sorts of favors from strangers. Some more outrageous than the others. From asking a hotel to let him sleep for free in one of their rooms, to requesting a burger refill at a restaurant, or even asking to borrow $100 from a stranger. Obviously, you know, everybody won't reject you, so he was kind of taken by surprise when some people accommodated his request. Like Krispy Kreme that agreed to link few donuts in the shape of an Olympic symbol for him. On his first attempt, you could imagine he was pretty timid, and the moment he heard no from another person, he just wanted to run away. You know, that's how we feel when we get rejected, right? We just want to shrivel up and run away. But with each day of the challenge, he grew thicker skin. And he realized that getting rejected wasn't all that bad. He learned that the world was scarier in his head. Jai said the most important, most often people proved to be open and eager to help. He noticed that on many occasions he was able to turn a no into a yes if he took the time to put himself in the other person's shoes by asking a simple, why not? He gave people the opportunity to share why they weren't comfortable accepting his request. With empathy and persistence, sometimes a no can be turned around. And he, he wrote a book about this, and what he wrote in there was, My goal is to turn rejection into opportunity. I always thought it was something to run away from. But if we can embrace it, we could turn it into a lot more than an obstacle. And he continues saying, when you are not afraid of rejection and it feels like you have nothing to lose, amazing things can happen. So folks, rejection is not always bad, is it? The more, we, the more we get rejected, the less painful it's going to become. And if you look at it, rejection is not often too personal. I know it feels like it is. It has to do with more about the person who, re- who is rejecting you. 
you know, their mood, what are the circumstances. There's various things that could cause somebody to reject. But in the and the other side of that coin is there are many opportunities we miss because we're so afraid to even ask the question. Right? How many times have you not went forward with something because you just didn't want to ask? Or the date you might have missed because you didn't ask? Or the raise? Or a job opportunity? You just never know unless you ask. So challenge yourself. Go out there. It's going to thicken your skin. And you should use this rejection as a fuel to be more determined. Push you forward. Most often, success is a numbers game. And you just have to swim through the rejections until you get a yes. Just think if you're in sales, how many no's you get before you even get a yes. Uh, it's got to be so depressing at times, but just when you get those yeses, it's so uplifting. Here's some facts about some people. Walt Disney was fired from one of his jobs for not being creative enough. J.K. Rowling had the Harry Potter series rejected 12 times before managing to publish it. And look at the popularity of that. Colonel Sanders had his chicken recipe rejected over 1,000 times before he was able to start KFC. I think he was in his 60s when he finally became popular with that. Steve Jobs was fired from his own company, which only motivated him more. He eventually was able to return to Apple. Oprah Winfrey, she was told that she was not made for television. Tesla, Elon Musk company, almost failed before becoming the success it is today. And there are many other instances out there that could probably go on for a long time. But these few examples are just enough to prove your point. And you can say, yeah, look at these people, they have money. Well, they do now, but they didn't then. You know, and like... Look at Colonel Sanders. I believe he was in his 60s before his recipe took off. You know, Opal Winfrey was a young black woman. uh, Really didn't have many chances back in the day when um, in television or radio or anything like that. So, I'm going to ask you today, are you ready for a challenge? My mother went to a Van Gogh exhibit last week, and I love Van Gogh. I told her I was envious, and uh, I, I, I saw some pictures of what she posted on Facebook or whatever, and, you know, and it reminded me, Van Gogh said, um, If you hear a voice within you say you cannot paint, then by all means paint, and that voice will be silenced. And I was thinking about this because, you know, I've been on this uh, fitness 
challenge. It's a challenge because it's something I put forth to myself, the goals that I want to do. And in the past, I could never achieve those goals because, I don't know, even though I was looking toward them, you know, I was running away from other things. And I said, I can do this. I'm going to paint. I'm going to paint this perfect picture physique that I want. Perfect picture conditioning that I want. And I'm going to do it. And Van Gogh's statement just came to my mind like out of the blue. I was like, oh my gosh. So be ready for that challenge. Because the most effective way to overcome the fear of rejection is to face it. And with that being said, I have a challenge for you. In the upcoming 90 days, push yourself to go through rejection 10 times. Not asking you to go out and do 100 times in a day or anything. Just 90 days, go through 10 rejections. That's not bad. Probably won't even take 90 days. (laughs) And do it like this, you know, just start with small things like ask a stranger for a dollar. And then as you get more comfortable and you move up to like the next level, ask for a pay raise at your job. You can have fun with this challenge and even go ask a celebrity for a date or for an interview. When I first started this podcast, that was a hard thing for me is asking people to do interviews, you know, because... I didn't want to be turned down either, and I just started. So it's like, why would they want to come on my podcast? (laughs) But they did. I had some, and, you know, it's. I asked. You just have to ask. But your options are endless. Use your imagination, and don't let your brain convince you that something is off limits. Because with every challenge, there's going to be rejection. And you're going to become more resilient. You'll realize that fear is so much worse in your head than in reality. A lot of people quit after they tried something just once. Even more people don't even take that first attempt just because they're not confident enough and they self-reject like I myself have done in the past. Taking on this challenge could help you make progress on some big goals. It'll desensitize you from the fear of failure and rejection. So don't focus so much on success. The idea is just to get that thicker skin and see that the world is not so bad as it seems. Playing it safe is no way to live. So don't let your fear of rejection hold you back because so many potentially great opportunities are there. Go out there and do something bold. An author that I like to read, Norman Vincent Peale, said, Shoot for the moon. Even if you miss, you'll land among the stars. And that's not a bad place to be, I tell you. The ones who dare and don't see quitting as an option end up 
achieving success, at least some types of success. I would say the second ingredient are the people that are around you. It is said, show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are. You know, that is an old and it's a wise proverb. The people you surround yourself with will have one of the biggest impacts on your life and the level of success you will achieve. That is why it's so important to have a supportive cast, family, friends. You got to find the friends that are going to support you. And I hope your family does. The uh, American author and entrepreneur Jim Rohn thinks we are the average of the five people we spend the most time with. And I've heard that several times in my life. And I don't really hang around a lot of people. So it's who you see at work and who I see at the gym. They're my main influences outside of my, you know, my wife and kids at home. And I think that plays into, like, besides our circle of friends, the outside influences play a major part. I mean, take a look at television and movies, even celebrities, or those who you follow on social media. They significantly impact people's lives and behaviors. So I believe the rule is pretty simple. If you want positivity in your life, you shouldn't hang around with people that drag you down. Some people will always find a reason why something can't be done. And if you continue to surround yourself by people like that, it's going to reflect on your reality. Toxic people sometimes stick around for way too long. And even though you've had certain friends for a long time, it doesn't need to mean, doesn't need, doesn't mean that you need to keep them around if they're not positively influencing you. It's all right to let people go, even if they're old relationships. Friendships we started 10 years ago might not be the relationships we need in our present lives. You don't necessarily have to cut the cord 100% right away. You can limit your time, and eventually it's just going to wane away the other way because you both are going to notice you're not in it for a specific relationship. You're not in it anymore because you're different people People change throughout the years, different goals. So just let it go. You know, and if you also think about it, there's been a lot of strong pressure from our society to be social. 
networking has always been encouraged. I even heard that in the Navy, and it's true. And it's always nice to have a large group of friends. But we might end up giving too much of our own time to people who are not deserving of it, right? It's just not worth it. And if you want to flourish, you should get involved in that community for which you want to find improvement. So if you want to lose weight, you can find communities through your gym. If you want to grow a business, you might want to find a team of entrepreneurs or or look for a mentor to help guide you through those endeavors. It's it's crucial that we focus on surrounding ourselves with people who help us thrive. It's one of the most important things that will ever prepare you for success is those people that we are around. You've heard it say, you know, misery loves company. Well, so does success. So make sure you're around those winners, people that can help you and inspire you to grow. Somebody can lift you up and give you encouragement or tell you when you're jacked up. And if you don't have successful friends around, or successful friends that can surround you, that's okay because we have technology today. You don't have to limit yourself to the people around you. You know, the internet is good and bad, right? But the good part is there's magic to that internet. You could reach out just about to anyone. You could search for mentors that have been successful. You can find things on health and wealth or whatever you desire, and you can learn from them. There's groups on like Facebook and Instagram and stuff where you could join these, you could join like minded people, and it will help you, it will give you ideas and how to succeed. And you could ask them, like, how did you start, you know? How did you overcome your failures? What failures did you have? And where are you now? Like, how successful are you now? You can go on YouTube. I spent a lot of time on YouTube. I listen to interviews and documentaries. I read books. And I try to get a sense of what other people's minds are all about. You know, what were they thinking when they did certain things? Because the more that you learn from them, the more you become like them. I mean, you don't even have to have a mentor that's alive anymore. You can just read their books and call them your mentor because you can learn so much from them. So if you don't want to be mediocre, stop hanging around with those mediocre people. Take a good look at your friends. How do they inspire you? If you could thank them for teaching you something, what would that be? Pick pick these people carefully and actively assess the way that they affect your life.
The five closest people are a reflection of you since you know what? You chose them. They don't have to choose you. They probably could care less. They'd probably walk the other way. But you're hanging around. Let's talk about an exercise. Just take a minute to think and choose an important objective you have and take a first step towards joining a group of people that have that same goal. You could do a Google search. You can go through Facebook groups. Um, They do have networking apps out there. And think about somebody that you would like to have as a mentor. And reach out to them. Do it. Be an action taker. Make these little positive changes and do it. And ingredient number three is one of my favorite. I talk about it all the time. It's called self-discipline. Discipline, discipline, discipline. It's got to be the most important thing ever. To me, it's got to be. Because you cannot rely on motivation. Motivation comes and goes, comes and goes. But once you condition yourself to have discipline, you can go, go, go. This economist, James Heckman, he asked a number of people how big of a role they think innate intelligence has in financial success. So what they asked him was, how much of a difference do you think is there How much of a difference do you think there is, financially speaking, between person A and B based on their IQ? Most people guessed somewhere around 25%, while others went higher, around 50. But Heckman's research concluded something completely different. Innate intelligence plays at best. 1% to 2% in someone's future success. He said that success is correlated with self-discipline and consistency more than it has to do with brains. Man, that's what I say all the time. If you could ever see my post, uh, I always say consistency and discipline equals progress. And he's saying the same thing in financial success. Any success, consistency and discipline. That, that's my take on it. You can never give up. Fall down, get back up. Because anything worth having takes time. You're going to get beat. You're going to get punched. You're going to whatever. Just do it. Mastering a skill building relationships with a partner, building a career or business, it all requires dedication. Everything that is worth having needs some time of investment on your side. Bryant McGill said, everything worthwhile takes time, 
nurturing, and love. When something isn't working, love it more, nurture it more, and give it more time. This is a big lesson for everybody, especially myself. But on the bright side, I'm pretty ambitious. But then on the downside, I could get impatient and I want it yesterday. You know, people see me as calm and cool and, you know, but impatient, but inside, I got to be one of the most impatient people out there. My heart and my brain just constantly going, wee. It's like, why isn't this done yet? Why can't I get this achieved yet? You know, it just drives me nuts. You know, but learning patience and discipline had definitely been some of my biggest life lessons. You know, and discipline I was instilled with since a child, so it, the discipline part seemed natural. And then I joined the Navy, and there's more discipline. So, I mean, it's just something that's been nonstop in my life. But the patience and the consistency and all that that you have to come with it wasn't so easy for me. Because short-term thinking is its specific to poor people, right? <laughs> you would think. They want fast results, craving the instant gratification. And that's what I was grasping. I want fast results. That's, that's why the diet industry and the pills and the stuff out there to lose weight and all these gimmicks are so successful out there because people want instant gratification and it doesn't work that way. There is no pill that is going to give you weight loss or no pill that's going to give you giant muscles. Prosperous people know the importance of a sustained effort, consistent work, and the need to sacrifice today for a better tomorrow. Poor people would rather have a better today. They'd prefer to watch TV, spend all their time relaxing. But this always comes at the cost of tomorrow. Short-term thinking is why people don't achieve anything great. I put a status yesterday on my Facebook about Something that relates to that. I might have to search for it as we talk. You know, but it was basically... Um, it's choices that we make today. Oh, here it is. It's by Frederick M. Alexander. People do not decide their futures. They decide their habits, and their habits decide their futures. You know, and that just goes well with this talk today. You know, 
Habits equals discipline. Discipline, habits. They all come in the same package to me. So, if you want to know if the short-term thinking characterizes you and your actions, your daily actions especially, take a look at yourself. If you choose to spend time in front of the TV, playing video games, eating fast food a lot, sleeping in, spending your money on items that don't do anything for your future, instead of waking up to do something productive, eating healthy, and investing in your future, that all will make you a short-term thinker. Get your habits. Get your discipline. Work today to build that future. All these small decisions on what you do with your time today. Me, I'm big into nutrition and working out. So what I eat today, the exercises that I do today, if it's running, lifting weights, doing a HIIT program, it all leads to tomorrow and how I'm going to look and feel tomorrow. How you spend your money today will add up and have all those consequences. What are you spending your money on? If it's garbage, just put it in a bank and let it earn that 1% interest in your savings account if you don't want to do stocks and bonds or 401k or something. Because not doing the right thing, it's going to leave you broke, unhealthy, and miserable. You go out and spend your money on McDonald's burgers or Burger King or any fast food. Sit down, watch TV, play your video games, gain weight, get a bad heart, high blood pressure, cholesterol, sugar, diabetes, whatever. And then you're miserable because you don't do anything and you're broke because all your money's going into the hospital system now. What you do today affects tomorrow. It affects the rest of your life. And I know you're only human. So allow yourself to indulge in those pleasures of life. But have discipline. Limit them. You know, I'm not telling you you can't have anything. But what you want to do is not want to have those things. And once you don't want to have those things, you are not limiting yourself. You just don't want to have them. You could have a strict schedule, a diet during the week. And then allow yourself to sleep in and relax on the weekends. There's nothing wrong with that. I wish I could sleep in sometimes on the weekends, but I'm so used to getting up at 4.45 in the morning, 4.30, that when it comes to the weekend, 5.30, 6 o'clock, man, I'm like, bing, my eyes wide open. So you have to improve self-discipline. And your self-discipline is going to be your motivation. 
when we talked about action, I mentioned how important it is to rely sole, not to rely solely on motivation to do things. Why? Because motivation is short-lived. It comes and goes, like I said, but it's crucial to cultivate your self-discipline. So let's get a little, little deeper into discussing how motivation works and how you can improve it through discipline. When you start something, after you start, you're full of excitement most of the time. Yes, I'm going to do this, like your New Year's resolutions. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to go to the gym every day. I'm going to start a new project, a new diet. I'm going to build this new habit. And it's not long before your motivation begins declining. Only a few weeks, maybe days, you don't feel like continuing. Why? Why does this happen? Well, your brain is so wired to protect you, so it'll always try to make you avoid difficult and uncomfort activities. So, you're going to prefer watching TV, playing video games, scrolling through your Facebook, instead of working on your business, exercising, studying, or other productive tasks that in the long term would bring you better benefits. benefits. And then maybe you notice that some people seem to have the ability to consistently work toward the goal even if it's inconvenient. And so you get this question in your head, how are they different? To find out what sets apart the people who manage to get it done, staying consistently productive from those who can't help themselves from overindulging in the simple pleasures of life, Looking for short-term benefits, we need to talk about this brain neurotransmitter we call dopamine. That's our pleasure. Dopamine plays a vital role in motivation. It's known as a feel-good neurotransmitter. This is the stuff that's released in your brain when you consume that comfort food, when you watch TV, when you listen to music. Basically, anything that makes you feel good. Dopamine is very, very powerful. And it has a very powerful influence on our behavior. Some scientists did some research on the influence of dopamine in rats. And I never get this. Why do they always like compare rats or stuff to people? But that's what they do. And at the beginning of the experiment, they have implanted some electrodes in the brains. Each time a rat pulled the lever, the scientists stimulated the part of the rat's brain that released dopamine. They soon found out that the rats were craving dopamine so badly they kept pulling the lever over and over for prolonged amounts of time. 
The rats didn't even care to sleep or eat. They would just pull the lever until they reach exhaustion. That's like me going to the gym. That's my lever. <laughs> uh, it gives me such dopamine now. I, I, I say I'm addicted to it. So, Next, the researchers blocked the release of dopamine in the rat's brains. And this resulted in the rats becoming so lethargic that they wouldn't want to eat or drink. But if the food was being placed in their mouths, they would eat it. Only the motivation to get it themselves disappeared. That is amazing, isn't it? So you got to think, it's not just a sensation of hanger, anger, hunger, or thirst that motivates the fulfillment of the needs, but it's the dopamine that plays the success key role to this success, this process. You know, it's pretty interesting, and you could look at it through rats. You could look at it through people like drug addicts. I mean, they know that drugs are not good for them, but they're looking for that one more high, right? Cocaine and heroin... They have the ability to pull out these high amounts of dopamine. And that's what makes you crave them and get addicted. And the truth is, pretty much everything releases more or less dopamine. Even drinking water when you're feeling thirsty does it. But the highest release of this, this chemical occurs when you get a reward randomly. And something you could think about that is like gambling. These days, you're getting it a lot. I mean, lots of dopamine from... I look at people scrolling through the social media to get likes. You know, um, watching these videos of things that they, they love on. It's just pouring dopamine into your brain. Five minutes can be an hour or two. Or binging on Netflix. So I would say pay attention to your behavior and everybody around you. You'll take a look as you walk outside, drive around, how addicted we are to our phones. People checking them every minute, you know, anticipating that like on social media or receiving a text or message. And one thing that I hate is I'm driving down the street and see people just scrolling through their phones. It's like, really, you're driving. Cut it out. And all this has effects on our lives. You know... We have, we have balance in our brains and our hearts and our whole body. And we have to maintain this internal balance. And with all this stuff out there, we create an imbalance. And there are processes triggered that 
they have this role of bringing back the equilibrium. So like, um, we'll adapt to the temperature outside to maintain our right body heat. And when we're facing the hotter weather, our blood vessels dilate so that more blood enters through our skin capillaries. See, our bodies need to know how to regulate and and the things that we're doing in life are messing around with that. You know, and that's all called homeostasis. And another example of that would be like when our blood sugar is high. You know, I'm taking a personal trainer class now, so all this stuff is in my head. And, uh, you know, so I'm going to use it. When our blood sugar is high, the pancreas is going to release the insulin. The body cells and the liver are going to take up all that glucose. And in the end, the blood glucose levels decline. And then finally, the optimal glucose level in your body is going to be achieved. You know, there's there's just a couple examples, but there's so many more out there. And we just have to learn what's going to stimulate us. We don't want to be overstimulated. Because we need to make our brain work. The brain is going to make adjustments by creating this different balance set point. But this is all the reason why people who regularly drink alcohol develop a tolerance, right? We get so used to grabbing that dopamine all the time. Your tolerance becomes larger and larger. And it takes more for you to get drunk. And that dopamine is the same thing. The, the process is no different. Your brain gets so used to the high amounts and the new levels become normal and then it takes more and more and more for you to get it and you just get addicted. You know, the social media, porn, TV, whatever. You know, the gym. <laughs> and then we find that the things that don't give us so much dopamine are boring, right? You find people just can't sit around at all. They're bored. You know, so it becomes more difficult to motivate yourself to do them. Because right now your brain wants you to eat comfort food, listen to music, watch TV. It might even be hard for you to sit and listen to the podcast because I'm running up to an hour. And some people just can't because they're so stuck to video games. Like their eyes and everything's constantly moving. So you might have to do a little detox. And I, I'm going to close it off with this. You need a dopamine detox. Choose a day when you think you could avoid all that stuff, all the, the stimulating activities. You're going to let your brain and dopamine receptors recover. You can't have any fun. You should just use your phone and your computer only if it's strictly necessary for calls and for work.
So maybe pick a weekend and take a break from everything. No junk food, no TV, you know, not any sort of stimulants, good stimulants. Remove all those sources of external pleasure just for one day. A few examples of the things you could still do in order to relax would be having a walk outside. Go walk in nature. Meditate. And I'll let you exercise because our body needs that. And when we starve ourselves from this dopamine, you're going to have excellent benefits for you, for your motivation, your productivity, and the ability to achieve your goals. You'll abstain from these pleasures so that your brain gets reaccustomed to a lower dopamine level. And this is going to result in you finding less satisfying activities more desirable. Or you could take another approach. Identify your biggest addiction and give only that one up for one day a week. You can still do other things you enjoy. Just the behavior you pick will be off limits. Maybe it's a food. Maybe you have this one food you think you have to have every day. Skip it one day. And then you should push yourself to extend that detox as much as possible if you could do it for two days a week. Awesome. Then maybe after you get better at that, do it for three days a week and on and on and on. And then you could eventually give up that one behavior for a whole week. That would be really amazing. So go on a social media fast. You know, something. Go on a Netflix flat fast. You know, stay away from it. Uh, I just, as we come to a close, I just like to say we're all addicted more or less to dopamine. And it's kind of normal. But the essential part is the discipline, that word again, discipline. We have to discipline ourselves to do the things that serve us in the long run. And you're going to find it's worth the effort. And later, you're going to thank yourself for doing it. Jersey Gregoric said, easy choices, hard life, hard choices, easy life. And a little warning, caution, or whatever. If you do have any sort of strong drug or alcohol addiction, you should really seek professional help. Because coming down off of that is a physiological dependence. And you could experience some extreme withdrawal symptoms when you're trying to quit that substance. So if you really have a super-duper addictive towards the drug or alcohol, please do it under the care of somebody that knows what they're doing. So I appreciate you coming today. 
and listening, and I hope that you have some good um, good key takeaways out of there. Don't be self-doubt, doubting yourself. You know, have some self-confidence. Challenge yourself. Pay attention to those in the circle around you. Remember that your brain is wired to protect you, so you, you kind of have to take the time to work that out, to push your way into the uncomfortable zone of your life, to get away from that TV or whatever. And it is natural for us to get addicted to those things because of dopamine. So go through that detox. Just pick something. And, you know, it's great to be able to do that and to watch the changes in your body, in your mind. And people are going to notice. And once they start saying things to you, you're going to be like, oh, wow, that's cool. Next week, we're going to talk about practical ways to deal with worry, fear, and your inner critic. Is that really has something to do with self-doubt too, right? So you notice that everything we've talked about the last few weeks, it kind of intertwined together, and there's a reason for that. So stay tuned, and thank you for joining us. It is a better life. This podcast has been brought to you by Culture Vegan Shop in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Culture, where the only thing that is missing is you.